Hello, and welcome again to another episode of Five Playing Questions, a podcast that proposes five questions to Indigenous artists, creators, musicians, writers, movers and shakers, and culture bears, people in the community that are doing great things for their communities. I'm Joe Williams, your host for this conversation. I'm director of the Indigenous Art Programs at the Plains Art Museum. My goal is to showcase these amazing people in our Indigenous communities from around the region and country. I want to introduce you to Maria Cristina Tina Tavera, a Minneapolis-based artist. Tavera investigates the constructions of racial, ethnic, gender, national, and cultural identity via numerous mediums, including printmaking, installation, and public art. Tavera is a dual citizen with Mexico and the United States. Her artwork focuses on Latinidad within the United States by examining cultural signifiers determined by our society on how people define themselves and their cultures in everyday life. Tavera holds a master's in leadership in the arts from the Humphrey School and a BA in Spanish and a BA in Latin American Studies from the University of Minnesota. She has received fellowships and grants, the McKnight Visual Artists Fellowship, the Bush Leadership Fellowship, Shannon Leadership Institute, the Smithsonian Latin Museum and Studies Program, Museum of Modern Art in New York, Forecast Public Art, Minnesota State's Art Boards, the Metropolitan Regional Arts Council, and the Institute of Mexicans Abroad. Tavera has exhibited nationally and internationally, and artwork can be found in the collections in the City of Minneapolis Public Art, the Weissman Art Museum, the Fargo Plains Art Museum, Oglethorpe Museum, the Tweed Museum of Art, the Minnesota Historical Center, and the Biblioteca Central de Quintanabria in Santander, Spain. Her writings have been published by the Walker Art Center, the Minneapolis Institutes of the Arts, as well as a book titled Mexican Pulp Art. This was, a, this was a really fun conversation. And I think what makes it so interesting is uh, the, the work that she does within the region and how accessible she is. I'm really excited uh, for this conversation. So with that said, let's jump into this conversation with Tina Taverna. Tina, thank you so much for joining us at Five Flame Questions. It's really great to have you here. Thank you for inviting me, Joe. I'm excited. Oh, I am too. Uh, would you be able to introduce yourself? Uh, tell us a little bit about your background, where you're from, and, and who you are. Uh, yes, I, I actually am born in Minneapolis. Um, my parents met in Mexico. Uh, my mother is from Michoacan. I always lovingly say that her full name was Maria Estela Ligia Garcia Morales. <laughs> and my, my father actually is Patrick James O'Brien. He's Irish, <laughs> Minnesotan, and he was studying for um, years in Mexico, and they met there and then moved to Minnesota. So I have dual citizenship, and my mother's family still remains in Mexico. So I actually have a very deep love and um, and respect for the country and um, and kind of almost maybe even an obsession about um, what does that mean for me as someone um, who's of mixed race and ethnicity. So can you talk a little bit about um, your your work in the art field? Because you're a printmaker. Um, I know you're going to be with uh, Amanda Haidt here. Uh, is it later this spring? I, I'm at a loss of the date right now. Actually, it's Thursday. Oh, it's Thursday. Okay. Okay. So I will see you later this week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited because I um, had the opportunity to do an artist residency at the Plains earlier. I mean, in the year in 2022. And, and it was 
so productive for me and exhilarating to um, work with her. Yeah, she she's a fantastic collaborator for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, the space and the work that she puts into it is is wonderful. Um, so let's let's talk about influences. Um, can can you talk about your influences uh, early on, uh, maybe growing up, and who they are today? Um, I think um, a lot of my artwork has to do with Latinidad in the United States. And so I think growing up in Minnesota uh, and the cultural differences are so extreme that I really um, was drawn towards um, people who talked about um, maybe Mexican art history and Mexican culture. And so um, some of the biggest influences I would say are my family in Mexico because of the nostalgia that I felt and yearning to be with them that um, they, my mother's the oldest of nine and her siblings are all artists. Um, So they're, you know, they do um, repujado, which is a form of um, metalwork. They do photography and bookmaking and um, silversmithing. And so I grew up um, with them being older than me, but yet I was drawn to them because of their knowledge of art history. And and through them, I think I learned so much about um, not just the culture, but also the historical and contemporary aspects of um, art making. And uh, today, um, who who is influencing uh, maybe your your work or your worldview uh, that influences your work? I think um, I'm really interested in the Latinidad within the United States. So I like to look at constructions of uh, racial, ethnic, and gender, national, uh, and cultural identity. So I analyze maybe how these um, aspects are viewed in our world. And I'm really drawn to being with different groups of people, different and, and thinking about like how we fit together in this world. Um, I think because of the fact that um, my artwork analyzes these sociological sort of aspects of of how our, um, I guess, especially in the United States, we view um, these divisions and at the same time, these communities, it's it's interesting to me. And so I really enjoy, um, I think, being between different groups of people. Like for instance, you know, with at work, I at work at Augsburg University, and I work with a program that helps students that are low-income, first-generation, underrepresented um, enter graduate school and and just learning a lot about them and their cultures and how they see themselves in the U.S. is really enlightening to me. So I'm I'm a Dakota. I grew up on a reservation in South Dakota, and maneuvering between the space of home and my community and my family and how we have conversations about our identity uh, compared to the, the, I would say national conversation. It's not as wide, um, I think, as other uh, communities, but how, how our communities are framed f- from different perspectives is, is a really interesting experience. And um, I'm just sort of curious on how, how do you maneuver through those spaces and in those conver- and do those spaces influence um, how you uh, create your work? 
I definitely think identity is a big part of my work and, and it has evolved over time. Um, when I first started art making, I, um, I would say that um, our children were really young. And so I thought a lot about how I wanted to make sure that they learned about the culture um, um, and traditions of Mexican, you know, from Mexico. And so I ha I'm pretty well known, I think, for my ofrendas over the last couple decades that I've done um, artwork about um, traditions such as Day of the Dead and um, have worked um, in many different mediums um, expressing um, in his kind of contemporary uh, and also traditional ways. Um, and then it sort of started to evolve more for me thinking about the racial divisions in the United States. Um, oh, I wanted to say, sorry, <laughs> I forgot. So when my children were little, um, I think I thought a lot about my grandmother who's now going to turn 104 in Mexico. and. I realized like how she had nine children and only having two, how she managed, you know, the housework and the domestic duties and how overwhelming I felt it was in the US, even though it was significantly less amount of work, I would say. And so a lot of my artwork was about domestic duties and comparing cultural differences between expectations of women in Mexico compared to the United States. Eventually is when I started looking at racial divisions and uh, part of it because my job, because of um, you know thinking about the United States and the census and how we are divided and classified and even maybe a concern that um, the Latinx community in the United States, you know, uh, is required sometimes, many times, often to pick a race, and and the and those whole ideas that are um, socially constructed and can be sort of divisive in a way or inefficient because of the fact that we are um, so different um, in Latin America. I mean, the the diaspora in the United States is so different that then we're not being counted adequately. How has how have you developed your your career uh, both uh, in college and post college? It's interesting because I um, have not studied the um, I don't have a degree in fine arts. I um, actually have an undergraduate degree in Spanish and Latin American studies. So I was very focused more, I would say, on social justice. I I um, swayed away from the literature somewhat. Uh, um, which was more of the traditional Spanish degree and actually um, studied even in Costa Rica in Latin America in the 80s, which was a very, um, oh, you know, complicated time um, in many of those countries. And there's, uh, you know, the problems in Nicaragua and El Salvador and, and Guatemala and the military and the politics that were there heavily influenced my decision um, to complete my undergraduate degree there. And I think also taught me a lot about um, social justice. And so um, I think that in a way that those themes are weaved throughout my artwork now. And um, in graduate school, I studied leadership at the Humphrey Institute. I had a Bush fellowship and I um, 
had art history as well, but I think the art making has been more organic and something that I have um, learned over time. And I often feel that it's in debt. I'm indebted to many people like Amanda Haidt, who um, have spent time with me and teaching me more of the process and mechanics of of the art making than than uh, yeah. How. Um... You know, over time, uh, opportunities present themselves in different ways. Um, or are uh, the artists are uh, pursue uh, opportunities? Um, how have opportunities changed uh, over your career? I think necessity one um, in Minnesota. I saw, you know, I was probably in one of the first exhibitions for Day of the Dead, and I saw that there was a lack of representation of the Latinx community and really wanted to make sure that there um, was exhibitions um, that represented the community. And so I um, have worked not just as an artist, but as a curator as well. Um, And as ideas uh, come to me regarding themes or topics that I think are important to be addressed, then I um, look for where could this possibly take place? You know, sometimes it may be in a public space in the community. It could be in a gallery or a museum, or maybe it's even out on the street and just looking for ways to collaborate with the other artists as well. I'm curious about uh, your, your curatorial, um, uh, I guess, experience. Uh, where, where have, um, I guess not where, but uh, what, what type of um, exhibitions have you worked on? If you could expand on that a little more. So um, I actually um, started curating probably at El Colegio High School. There was there was a large gallery there that had been Crearte and it had gone into hiatus and they offered me the opportunity to um, have exhibitions there for a couple of years and I named it Mita Gallery. Um, it was prior to me receiving the Bush Fellowship, but in that time, um, you had to leave your position where you're employed in order to receive the funding for graduate school. And so I left the gallery afterwards. And then I've done a lot of sort of freelance, I guess you'd call it independent curating um, throughout different places throughout Minnesota, um, and even others like Mexico, but primarily, it's a similar, I would think of a theme or a topic, and then I would look for someone that would help uh, collaborate or to sponsor that um, exhibition. So I I could give an example would be um, for in 2016, I curated uh, an exhibition of nine Mexican printmakers that were all women um, at High Point. And it was during the time that the Guerrilla Girls did their Twin Cities takeover. Um, and then I worked with the, um, the curators who were organizing the Guerrilla Girls takeover. And I was responsible for um, helping establish, I think, over 30 exhibitions in the Twin Cities of women um, or artists of color. And then I... Um, had my own solo exhibition that same, at the same time at Augsburg University. And so I um, enjoy um, helping make sure that underrepresented artists are shown. And, and then I 
um, look for funding from different sources to help assure that it's happening. And the most, my most current work is I just applied for nonprofit status for Serpentina Arts. And it is an organization that helps the creative and professional development of Minnesota Latinx artists. And so we did a lot of programming the last couple of years, um, having the artists do uh, exercises on, and that could help them um, improve their artwork or improve their uh, art art savviness, I guess, for um, promoting themselves and such. But recently, we're also doing public events. So uh, there's 11 um, on the Leadership Council who are a variety of Minnesota Latinx artists that are guiding and determining what the needs are of the Minnesota Latinx arts community. And we are um, trying to do something that's innovative, that's focused on the artist. And I find that this is similar to the work that I've done in McNair, where I'm developing their, their McNair Scholars Program at Augsburg, where they're developing their professional skill set to advance. Wow, that's, that's incredible. Um... I'll ask a, a question in a little bit about um, where people can find uh, your work and, and what you're doing, um, but I'll get to that in a little bit. Um, I wanted to touch on um, uh, your your printmaking and wanted to ask you the question, what it is about printmaking that draws you to that process? So printmaking, oh, I love printmaking. <laughs> I actually started, I'm trying to think, I probably did um, one of the first prints I ever made were one of the eight by four foot steamroller prints uh, where I carved with a router and this huge plaque of wood. And then we printed it with the steamroller and we did it the first time in Northfield. I think it was 2007 with Art Org. And then the second time at the Plains Museum, and um, I think that was in 2009, where we even transported the huge beast of a steamroller in a, on a semi all the way to Fargo. But um, they it still was, talk about that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it was quite the show. But then that was, you know, it was a contemporary form and interpretation of Day of the Dead as being the theme. And, um, and I love what the manual nature of carving wood, you know, I just love whether it's with the machine or with a laser or with even manual with the tools. Um, and I also um, think that it's been a longstanding tradition in Mexico to do woodblock prints. And so the first prints that I um, started making actually focused on oral legends that were told that people shared orally. And I wanted to make sure that there was some sort of visual that was connected to them. So my grandmother, for instance, would talk about La Llorona, which is a very common um, folklore about a woman who um, was betrayed by her, her partner and um, ends up drowning her children and then regretting it and then spends the rest of her life wailing looking for her children and such or um you know there's this story um and those are like story stories that we're not even sure they could be thousand years old you know they could be um but uh the more contemporary stories even that are urban 
fascinate me. Like there's Super Barrio, who was a man who started protesting and he would dress as a lucha libre wrestler. And they'd say that he um, was not formally educated, but he learned so much about labor laws and, and became so active that he eventually is a leader in the community. And just recently, I would say two weeks ago, I had the honor of encountering him giving a talk in Mexico City out on the street and was able to meet him and am going to send him one of my woodblock prints. So there, these are like these, these legends and their stories that are told um, repeatedly and shared. And it's, to me, it was so exciting to be documenting these visually. And, and then I started screen printing and screen printing to me is a fabulous way of communicating with imagery by selecting iconography and then putting it together to communicate something totally different. So I um, sometimes it's a challenge because of the fact that the iconography that I choose is so culturally specific that maybe people that are not from the Latinx community would struggle with like, I don't understand what this means or this combination of images doesn't make sense to me. But I think that a lot of people in the community can identify and um, and I really enjoy um, being able to mix and match um, different symbols um, to try to communicate whatever topic I'm thinking about. What would you want to say to the 18 or 22 year old that's listening to this conversation? Uh, make art. <laughs> um, make art. Yeah. I think, you know, when you're younger, I think you're, you know, don't, don't let, like, I think sometimes young people think that there's a formula or there's some sort of like way that you're supposed to make art, you know, I mean, maybe I was, that was one of the benefits of not, I mean, I had some photography classes and such and a couple art classes, but, you know, like, I think not to pressure yourself. I think producing work um, is important. When I first started making art and it was about family, you know, I, I really didn't think it was something that an audience would relate to. It just at that time didn't seem pertinent. And so um, it was more probably for myself. And yet, as soon as I realized that that was okay, like that's like whatever I'm thinking about should be expressed, then you just go from there and it evolves. And I think, um, and when you're older, it even gets harder to find the time. You can, you know, it might seem overwhelming right now, but as you get older, over even 30 or 35, you know, there's less and less time that you, that people find to dedicate themselves. So I just make a point to do something every day if possible. You know, I just, you know, it might just be, you know, working on your resume for 20 minutes, or it might be starting it, you know, a piece, an idea, writing down a list of ideas for when you do have time to get back to that. And I love listing and listing. And, and then I, you know, like, just try to go back to that and then put something together that's more solid. And I think that's key. You know, sometimes people keep, wait until they have the proper studio space, which I've never had, or they wait until they have like a certain block of time, which might not ever come. So if you could just try to think of a way to do a little bit every day, I think it's really beneficial. Oh, I think that's great advice. Absolutely. Um, 
So what do you have going on right now? So right now I'm um, printing an edition for self-help graphics in LA and Los Angeles um, for an exhibition called Essential. There's 18 printmakers selected from seven regions in the United States. And um, it's about COVID and we each are selecting someone to highlight um, to, I think, show what efforts have been made or what struggles um, workers have had in the U.S. And so I selected a corrections officer. My father worked as a social worker for more than 40 years at Stillwater Prison. And um, it really, I think, influenced uh, my life in the sense um, that I was uh, helping him create programming for the prisoners um, in, when I was younger, um, such as sending faculty uh, to um, give classes or artists to present their artwork and such. So um, I also wanted um, to highlight how the corrections officer, um, the one I selected was actually um, from the west side of St. Paul. He now lives in Nevada, but I had I was very fortunate that when I came up with this idea, he was visiting family that weekend from Nevada, where he lives now. And so the project was to interview the person, to photograph them, and then to make a print. And um, he had some really interesting stories about COVID and, and how they had to lock the prisoners down. They really didn't have any sort of plan on um, how to deal with COVID. And so they just isolated the prisoners from one another and really didn't allow them to have interaction or have any type of, I don't, I mean, I'm trying to think of the words like, you know, have any type of access to socialization, which is really inhuman. And so, and, and I know that this is exemplary of many areas um, of work where they just, you know, kept things trying to keep them normal or did the extreme of of the abnormal, <laughs> you know, like they really didn't know how to how to keep control of COVID during the pandemic. And so there are some very extreme decisions having to be made in a very short period of time. And I imagine, especially early on, uh, people didn't know how the virus was being spread and how, you know, it, I think everyone was trying to make it up at that point. But mm -hmm. of course, I mean, Chris, you could say they were trying to keep, I'm sorry, they, you could say they were trying to keep the prisoners healthy, right? I mean, that their intentions were good, but it's, it, 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 I think um, it, because of the duration of the pandemic, it mm -hmm. becomes extremely damaging. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, where can the listener find your work? Um, I have a website, but I use my full name, Maria Cristina Tavera. It's Christina has no H. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so, it yeah. So I have a website which is probably not up to date, but it has a lot of the information about my prints, and um, and then I have a Facebook page which is just my nickname Tina Tavera and uh, Instagram Tina Tavera. Okay, um, we'll put links in the show notes uh, to those. Uh, so yeah, so they can find you. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, Tina, thank you so much for your time and being a part of this program. It was really great to have you here. Thank you, Joe. I really appreciate it. And I like, always enjoy seeing you. <laughs> uh, same here. Thank you. <laughs>
And that does it for this episode of Five Plain Questions. I want to thank Tina again for her time and sharing her story with us. It's always a joy to be able to, to share the space with someone who, who does so much and who is so passionate about the work that they do. And that clearly is the case with Tina. Uh, you know, the, the work that she's done uh, with the planes and in the community is something that uh, we've been noticing and talking about for a long time. And so I really encourage you to check out her work, follow what she's doing. And yeah, she's just a wonderful, wonderful artist and person to be around. And I really appreciated this conversation. So Tina, thank you again for this. And I look forward to our our next chat and the next time we're sharing space together. I also want to thank you for joining us and spending your time listening to what I feel is a very important story and perspective from our community. So please join us next week as we speak with another I'm Joe Williams. You can find me on Facebook, on Instagram, across social media, and the plainsart.org website. There, you can see our programming, our past videos, and these podcasts. If you have a suggestion for for me to interview, please reach out to me on Facebook or the email at the, the website, and I would be most happy to hear from you. So that's it. You take care, and we will see you next week. This has been an 11 Warrior Arts production.